Uh, good to see everybody here today. Hope your mom's got a iced coffee. Yeah. Woohoo! Yeah. So hopefully in here a little bit, we'll hear a lot of slurping. You know, the straws are. <laughs> that's mean it was good. All right. Anyway. Uh, so today we're continuing our series. I have got a guest with me that is my best friend, has been for, we just celebrated last week, a week ago, two weeks ago. Sometime in the, in the, la, in the last 30 days, yes. we celebrated 27 years together. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing that she actually stuck with me that long. Um, yeah. Hey. Wow. But this is what we're going to do. Today we're going we're gonna to go through and continue our series on rescue. And uh, today we're going to talk about rescuing our kids. Fits perfectly in Mother's Day. And, and really what we're talking about in this whole series is simply this, is that life happens and sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we need to be rescued. That's, that's what happens. I mean, it, and, and the ultimate rescue, and this is where we started Easter Sunday, the ultimate rescue is only by Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus, I mean, we, we can do a lot of things. Today, we're going to talk about some practical stuff. But when it really, really, really comes down to it, the only way that we're going to find true rescue in our lives is when Jesus Christ becomes the sinner and the healer and the redeemer and all the big words that we try to apply to our lives. In other words, he changes who we are as individuals. And so that's, that's where it's all at. So today, we're going to talk about kids. Disclaimer, though, we are not perfect. We are not experts. We have tried and been practicing this for 27 years. We started early right away. Anyway, um, (laughs) we don't have it all together. We don't have all of the answers. We're still learning as we go. And maybe you're here and you're like, I'm not even a parent. This doesn't apply to me. But it does. Because you probably know a parent that maybe you're going to get something today to say, you know what? You might want to try this. Or maybe you have a young person in your life and you can apply some of these principles. They're basic guidelines for today. So, so here's the thought, all right? Uh, the thought is, is that our kids, uh, and, and Jennifer said it well, it, you fit into this category somewhere. Either you're a parent or you're a kid. One or two. I mean, everybody fits, right? But uh, if, if as a parent, I, you know, my kids are almost grown and I, I think someday they will actually all move out of the house. We're hoping that that's <laughs> going to happen. But uh, the dynamic or the, the, the motive, if you will, for rescuing our kids really kind of centers back to we want our kids to be rescued from making stupid choices. Isn't that really what it's all about? I mean, somehow, if, I, if, I could, if you could just give me one thing for my kids, it would be if you could say, hey, this can happen no matter what. I would say I want my kids to be rescued from making choices in their lives that are going to trap them and distract them, and move them away from their God-given purpose here on earth. I mean, so it's all about choices. And, and there's a couple scriptures that we're kind of kind of springboard from today. And, and they're both found in Proverbs because Solomon, he's a wise guy, and so he knows what's going on. And, and there's two sides to this. And, and Solomon talks a lot about the heartache of when parenting and kids doesn't go well. And, and if you're a parent, you, you know what that means. If you're a kid, you probably have an idea how much... You've, you've hurt your parent's heart in some shape or capacity. But here's what it says in Proverbs 17, verse 21. It says, There is nothing but sadness and sorrow for parents whose children do foolish things. Well, that's, that, I mean, I mean it's just right there. And, and, it's, and, and when you read that and you've been through it and you go, Yep, I get that one. I understand that. 
But then there's a flip side to it, and, and Solomon talks about this. And, and so hopefully we can get to the flip side today. And the flip side is in Proverbs 23. It says, what a pleasure, what a pleasure to have children who are wise. What a pleasure to have children who are wise. So give your father, and it's kind of addressed to the kids in this, in this instance, so give your father and mother joy. And may she who gave you, gave you birth be happy. Happy Mother's Day, right? And so how does that happen? How do we get from, and this is what we're going to talk about today, how do we get from sorrow to happy? How do, how do we transition? How do we move from there? And, it, and it's not easy. It's not like we're going to snap our fingers and click our heels and it's all going to happen just like that. There, there's a process and there's things that's going to happen. So, First area, though, is that um, everybody needs a real-life hero, and our kids need us to be their hero. Superheroes like what? Batman, Spider-Man, Superman. But we're heroes. And sometimes you don't feel like you can be a hero because you've maybe made mistakes or you've done stupid things. But every kid needs a hero. And the, the superpower of a hero is character with consistency. Character with consistency. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you won't mess up. But it means that you're going to be consistent when you're working through the issues that maybe you struggle with as a parent. Verse I want to read is Proverbs 27. It says, God loyal people living honest lives make it, easy, make it much easier for their children. Doesn't mean you're going to live a perfect life, but you're going to try to live an honest life. So take it, take it a little bit farther. Kids see everything we do. They so Even little Baylor, little guy that he is, is one. And you think that you can, you, can, you know, get around things. They are watching and absorbing. Statistics show by the time you're four or five, kids have already kind of built in who they're going to be because they've observed their heroes. You, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. So let's say you go home from church and you say, did you hear what Pastor Troy said? Really? Did you hear what Troy said? That was, oh, when you look down, you got your little kid there. That was S-T-U-P-I-D. So they're going, okay, so they're saying something bad about him that I shouldn't know. So, okay. <laughs> so then when you hear them talking bad about somebody, you're, don't say that. Why do you say that? Or. No, they spell it out there for you. <laughs> <laughs> or you're telling your kid, don't lie. Don't lie. The phone rings and they say, hold on a second. They say, dad, the phone's for you. It's so-and-so. And he's like, ah, tell him I'm busy. Okay, don't lie, but go ahead and lie. What you do screams so loudly, I can't hear what you say. So what we do says far more than what we tell our kids to do or how to behave. So just remember that. They're watching you, and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's good. So here's, here's the challenge in that, that if, if our kids need us to be heroes, the <laughs> challenge, and this is, this is a huge challenge, is that we need to be what we wish our children to be. I mean, it doesn't happen the other way. It's like, you know what, I told you to do that, now do it. And they're looking at you like, what are you talking about? You don't do it either. You know, so, I mean, it kind of, it, it, it falls apart at that moment. You know, that whole idea that, that I, I, I do as I say, not as I do, that's a lie. I mean, it's like, that isn't even remotely accurate to life. But how many times, and I, don't raise your hand, but how many times have we actually done that kind of stuff? You know, hey, I, I know this is wrong, and you're not supposed to do this. But somehow ignore what I'm doing and do what's right. Yeah. How, how does that happen? But uh, so how can we? How can we be heroes? I mean, that's a, that's a big question, isn't it? How, how can we do that? 
You know, I, I look at this when, when I was getting this ready and preparing, you know, the whole character and consistency thing, you know, I, it's like, man, I, I feel like half the time I'm blowing it. You know, that's not very consistent. You know, I feel like half the time I, I'm saying the stuff that, that I shouldn't be saying. Or, or maybe, it, it, you know, somebody does call and I'm like, ah, tell them I'm busy. You know, I'm doing those things sometimes. And I don't think you were specifically referring to me in that, were you? Absolutely not. Okay, we have to clarify these things. We might need counseling after this weekend. Anyway, so how, how can we do that? I mean, because I know it's a struggle in my own heart to do this. I mean, it's, it's how can I be a hero to my kids when, when I feel like I, I'm, I'm struggling with not being perfect? Or maybe I'm struggling with my own pride or maybe my own insecurities, and, and I'm just struggling with that as a parent. Because the reality is, for me, as a dad, and I'm sure for most of us as just people, we don't feel like we can do it a lot of times. I mean, so how, how, how can we? And, and so here, here's that next part, and, and really it starts with this, this acronym, if you will, HOW, H-O-W. And the first part of that is honesty, honesty. And, and really what that means is that credibility, because somehow we've got to have some credibility in our homes. We've got to have a sense, even though I'm not perfect, even though I don't always do it the way I should, even though sometimes I'm, I, I just blow it, right? I've got to have some credibility. How do I get credibility? Well, credibility comes through honesty, going back to that text that we just had. It comes through me living an honest life. Well, sometimes being honest is just saying, you know what? I really screwed up there. I really didn't do what I should have done. And not as an excuse, but as an, as an acknowledgement that, hey, I, I'm struggling here, and I just want to be honest with you as a person to another person. You're thinking, well, I don't know if my 4-year-old's going to get that, or maybe my 12-year-old, or whatever. But wherever they're at in the process, you insert the honesty, all right? Mommy's trying to figure out how to be the best mom right now. And sometimes I say things I wish I would, and I'm sorry. That's okay, all right? So, so the, the question then with honesty is, do you ever admit that you're wrong? Would it be helpful if your spouse helped you out with that and said, you're wrong, admit it? I don't know. How's that working for us, honey? Probably not a good idea. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's really working real well, but it's worth a try, right? Just go for it anyway. So the second one to that, you got honesty, and the second one is openness. Are you willing to be open and honest in your home? Are you willing to, you know how those pressure cookers have that release valve? You know what happens if you don't have that time that you're able to say, ooh, that really hurt me when you said that, or really makes me mad when you make these kind of choices, son. If you don't ever say those things, what happens if that valve never comes up? kaboom one day it just explodes okay maybe that happens in your house once in a while you have to be willing to say that bothers me when you do that or I really don't like it when you do this or why would you make that kind of a choice communicate and talk about it have that release valve once in a while instead of waiting for it to build up where it just all explodes all over and is an ugly mess I don't tell my kids very my kids don't get to see me cry a whole lot unless it's at a movie or a Hallmark show or something like that but as far as if my feelings are hurt, I'm going to toughen it up. I'm going to be just fine. It's fine. It's fine. Well, not long ago, we were taping off a, a clip of Tessa's, our oldest daughter that we lost in a car accident, video onto uh, a DVD. I'm taping it off, and I'm thinking, this will be good. We, I, the kids wanted to watch the slideshow of it. And 
So um, I go back and I call everybody in the back room, okay, come back and let's watch it. And we're watching it and it's the 10 o'clock news. I'm like, what is this? What happened? And Troy said, I think maybe we just taped over the whole, because it was on VHS, taped over. I went, I just, I just sat there and cried in the middle of the floor, just sobbed. And my kids were all going, um, who's going to help her? What, what do we do here? Because they don't ever see me just sit and sob like that, you know? Anyway, we got it figured out. It worked. We got it, found another one, made a copy. So it all worked out. But I say that because I haven't been really good at being open all the time to let my kids see me hurt. And they need to realize that we're people and we do hurt just like they are. The other part to openness I want to just share real quick is openness in prayer is a big part for those of us that are in that journey with God that sometimes you go to prayer and you don't really want to tell God how you feel because you might be embarrassed that you're kind of ticked off about something or something's really bothering you. That is the best time to be open. When you're with God, the one that loves you regardless, you can tell him anything. But lots of times as Christians, we're not willing to even be open with him when we talk with him. So we go in and we got all this pain and all this anger inside of us, but we say, oh God, you know, you're so good. Thank you for loving me and my family. Then you stand up and say, I'm going to kill that kid. What am I going to do with it? Go ahead and tell God about it. You know, that's the best time is openness in prayer. So the question there, excuse me, the question on that one is if you're going to be a hero, um, are you being open with those that you're trying to be a hero with? Because here's, here's the reality of this, is that heroes have bad days too. They do. And, and if I'm always trying to act and hide and be a certain way at a certain point and trying to keep that from them, here's what's going to happen. Sometime in their life, they're going to have a bad day as a hero themselves. And they're going to go, how do I deal with this? I've never seen anybody handle this. I've never seen it done right. And so they're not going to be able to handle it right. So at some point, you know, we've, we've taken the stance in our home that it's okay to have an argument or we call them discussions. We're going to have a discussion in our home, but we also want to make sure that our kids always see us make up. That if we, if we get in an argument or if we get in a discussion and we come to the point, and usually it's, it always goes the same way as I come back and say, I was wrong, excuse me, sorry, and... <laughs> I mean, so they've seen that a hundred times. It's like, okay, seen this movie, change the channel. I mean, anyway, but I mean, that, that openness just needs to be. So the, am I going to do that? Am I going to allow my child to see me when I'm hurt? Not to the point where it blows them, devastates them away, but just so you, they know you're real. They, they know that that's there. The third one, so H is honesty. O is openness. The W stands for willingness. And the, here's, here, here's the hard part about this. If I'm going to be a hero, I've got to be in a position that I'm willing to be changed first. And that's not always easy. It's not always easy because a lot of times I don't want to embrace discipline for me. I want to embrace discipline for you. <laughs> I want you to act right, but I don't really want to own anything myself. I, I don't want to have to deal with my stuff. I want to deal with your stuff. You know, and so as a parent... As a mom, as a dad, wherever you're at, at some point I got to go, I got some stuff I got to work on. I got to have a willingness, if I'm going to be a hero, to allow God to change who I am as a person. And so, you know, that's, that's a hard thing to do because, again, a lot of the stuff that's pounded into us sticks with us for a long time. So we got to have this willingness to embrace discipline and allow God to change us. You can't, and here's an example. You can't expect your children to respect authority if you yourself aren't under authority. That's just one example of that. 
I mean, if, if you're not saying, I'm willing to be a, a person that respects authority and respects those people around me and do those kind of things, if I'm not willing to allow God to have that in me, it's going to be really hard for me to be a hero to the kids around me or in my home for them to, be, to do it as well. So that, that's, that's a big part of it. So. That's good. Second one, is, okay, the first one is that our children need us to be real-life heroes. The second one is our kids need us to give them a living faith. Not just a religious theory or an idea, because one day, some of you already know it, your kids will grow up, and they will choose what they believe and what they trust, and they will choose who they believe and who they trust. And we, as Christians, we want our kids to grow up with living faith that they make that choice to trust God. We need to give them the right attitude and the right foundation to make great decisions in life, decisions from who they're going to marry to what kind of career they're going to have. What, how are they going to make their money? How are they going to have integrity in their home? Now, here, here's a couple thoughts about this. So if, if, if we're supposed to be as parents, <clears throat> you know, be their heroes and then also give away a living faith, there's, there's something that we have to understand here. And this is a weird thing in our culture, and is that God has no grandchildren. Okay? Let me say that again. God has no grandchildren. In other words, just because I'm born into a Christian, we know God family, doesn't mean that that child knows God. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian, right? Just because you go to McDonald's, the old saying is, doesn't make you a hamburger. You know, that kind of thing. I love that saying. Yeah, anyway, I, I didn't coin that, honey. I heard that somewhere else. But, but God has no children. And really, the point is this, is it's not automatic. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't just kind of, I'm walking along and somehow it fell onto them. It really comes down to a point in every person's life where a decision is made to how I'm going to live life. Now, you're, now, it's hard to think about that when you have a one-year-old or a three-year-old or even a six- or seven-year-old. But when they start getting older, you start thinking about that because they're making decisions pretty quick, you know? And then when they get older, you realize, wow, there's a lot of things that were happening in those formative years that had huge repercussions. And so I'm in the position as a parent that I'm supposed to give them a living faith, not, not make the decision for them, because I can't do that. I can't make the decision for any of my kids. But I can position them with the best attitude and the best foundation so that they can possibly make the best decision of their life. I can do that. So what I have to do is I have to embrace them, meaning I, I, I have to engage them in the process. Uh, it, 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 it isn't going to happen just because I hope it happens or, you know, every once in a while we go to church or, you know, that kind of stuff. It, you can't wait for tomorrow. And, and families, <clears throat> families don't fall apart in a day, all right? It, it's, a, it's a process of time over time over time. And here's, the, here's what happens more often than not in families in this area about teaching and learning living faith is procrastination is the bedrock of decay in the family. Okay? I'll do it tomorrow. We'll talk about that next week. We'll, we'll get into a discussion about how much Jesus loves my children later. And we procrastinate and we put that off. And here's what will happen. And I, this is kind of a sad story. Is that we get to a certain point and go, man, I might have waited too long. You know, and I look back as a parent now. And, and obviously we're in a stage now where our kids are grown or getting grown. Or at least the, by age they're supposed to be grown. How's that? 
<clears throat> I mean, and, and so we're in that stage now, but we're realizing that there's a lot of stuff that maybe we waited for tomorrow to come, which never comes, by the way. It's always today. And, and that, that isn't happening. So it's just kind of a challenge there. So there's three ways that uh, we can rescue our kids and, and how to give them this living faith. First one is to pray for them. The verse Luke 2.52, we're going to kind of just go off of that for this part here, is, is Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. Insert your kid's name there. Ben grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all people. Parker grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. That's what we want for our kids, and that's a direction that we can pray. We can, we can pray that they will have wisdom to be able to apply God's truth to everyday decisions that they have to make about life. We can, we can uh, pray that they'll have stature, that they'll develop fully into what God created them to be in their life. Not just a portion of it, but fully and completely. We can pray that they'll have favor with God. Pray that they'll be tender towards him and available towards his purposes for their life. Not because of who they are in your family, but what God has for them individually. Pray that they'll have favor with all people. Pray that they will have the relationships with people that are life-giving. Mm-hmm. Not people that are going to drag them down. Not people that are going to eat them up and spit them out. But people that are life-giving. Can you be guaranteed that if you pray for your kid, you won't have prodigal? No. You can't be guaranteed of that. You can pray and you can do everything you think is right. And you still might have a prodigal son or daughter. However, we can take great hope in the, in the story in the Bible that Jesus told us about the prodigal son. And as parents, we can wait for that prodigal son or daughter to come home and trust and pray that they'll have the, we'll have the reunion that they had in the Bible with the prodigal son when he came home. So you can't, you can't give up. Even if you don't see the results, you have to continue to pray and trust God with it. I'm thinking real quickly. My, my mom prayed for me uh, when I was in my teenage years. I mean, actually, I was 19, married, and marriage was not going well, um, and life was not going well. And I remember my mom getting up in my face, drove me crazy. She says, I'm praying for you. You don't have a chance. And I'm thinking, lady, you are crazy, and you're my mom, you know. <laughs> and every time I see her, I'm praying for you. You don't have a chance. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? And then she'd say, matter of fact, I've got a group of ladies at the church, and they're all praying for you, and you really don't have a chance. And I'm like, stop already, you know. And that happened for like six months. And you know what I think? Directly correlated to those prayers, I'm here today. I mean, God radically changed my life. So here's here's the point: is that don't underestimate the power of a praying mom or a praying dad. Don't underestimate that. I mean, when we're talking about praying for wisdom and and stature and favor and all those kind of things, I mean, God hears the cries of moms and dads. And so if I'm not praying. Man, I might be missing it big time. So that's huge in that area. So here's the second one. Simply this, lead them. So pray for them, lead them. And in Titus 2, 7 says, and, and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and the, excuse me, and the seriousness of your teaching. And so this, this whole idea that every part of my life 
would be, hey, follow me as I try to do this. Every part of my life. And, and, and so I, I insert that. And, and here's, here's what happens. And I'll just, I, I'm kind of nitpicking a little bit here today. A lot of us think it's just church. When I come to church, that's my spiritual life. That's not going to cut it when it comes to leading kids. It's just not going to cut it. I mean, if the only thing I do for them spiritually is I go to church with them on Sunday morning, but from that moment till next Sunday morning, there's no conversation, there's no direction, no decision is made based on who God is in my life. None of that affects anything. You never see me pray, you never see me read the Bible, you never see me do anything remotely God anything. I'm not leading anything. I'm just part of a social gathering that happens on Sunday morning. And so what needs to happen is, Lord, help me in everything that I do take on the role of being a leader in my home. And so when it comes to, and here's, here's what I've been convicted lately. I, for years, I prayed the same prayer over, over supper. I, it's like, I don't know if we got it from being Methodist when I was a kid. I don't know where it came from. But it was, our, uh, I can't remember what it is now. Um, Come, Lord Jesus, bless us. Come, Lord Jesus, to the Baba Shaba. Be our guest. Be our guest and bless this food, food to, to our us. chest or something like that. Or Wow, you didn't learn it as a kid either, babe. Yeah, anyway, I don't know it very well, but we would just like, it would just blah, 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 like that, you know? I'm like, okay, amen. You know, do this kind of thing. I realized, you know what? This is probably a moment that if I would slow down a little bit, could be a God moment. And I could lead them. And so I found myself even lately, not all the time, but a lot of times, slowing down and just praying. I mean, God, we really need you right now. Now, sometimes I still do the come, Lord Jesus, bless the food in my chest, belly thing. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's not quite in those words. You kind of make it up your own well, I, Yeah, words. I can't remember what it is. Anyway, so, so lead them. And it's a 24-7 gig. That's the whole point. All right? Next one is teach them. Point your kids in the right direction, and when they were old, they, will, they, will, they won't be lost. Actively teaching and training our kids. Look for teachable moments. I don't know about you, but when mine were little, the time that they really wanted to talk and you could really speak into their life was when? At bedtime. Oh, my gosh. And you're exhausted. You just want to say that quick little prayer. You just want them to go to sleep so you can get. But, no, that's when they want to ask all these deep questions, and you're How like, big wow. Is God? Yeah, I mean, but those are our opportunities. I like everybody to be consistent and on the same page. So when I'm ready to teach you, sit down, shut up, and listen. But that's not a teachable moment, okay? You just got a glimpse of my world right there, didn't you? It doesn't work like that. You have to be willing to teach. You really, you have to, for kids, husbands, you can tell them to sit down and shut up and listen. But for kids, you have to be willing to teach them when they're ready to hear it. And what are we going to teach them? We can teach them so much. We can teach them about authority, about consequences, not just talking, but showing them. When we apply consequences to their bad choices, we're teaching them. You put your hand on the stove, it's hot, it's, you're going to get burnt. Okay, you lie to me, I'm going to take soap and wash out your mouth. Did your moms ever do that? I did that to my kids. My mom did it to me. I, that's just mean. That is just <laughs> mean now that I look back. But, but we can teach them about working hard. About delayed gratification. I loved to teach my kids about this. Can I buy this now? No. Could we have bought it then? Yeah. But there was so much pleasure in teaching them about delayed gratification. Pleasure or torture? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good thing to teach them is delayed gratification. You can teach them about being generous, serving others, getting involved in ministry, serving together, going to the Open Door Mission, going downtown to feed the homeless. Go as a family. Let them see you working with them. 
What really matters in life, how to choose friends. By who you choose, that's who they're going to choose. They're watching you. You choose friends that corrals and act all crazy when they come to your house. Okay, you choose friends that build you up, that, that love on you, that encourage you. Your kids are probably going to choose those same kind of friends. You got the next little part there. Too. Hey, okay. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, this is a good one. Encourage your kids to be learners of God's truth. Why do you, okay, like, why do you think the father waited for the prodigal son to return? Ask your kid that. Make them start thinking, why? Instead of just reading the verse, think about it. We got a couple of our kids that ask these questions, and one of them always seems to ask me when he's not around. So it's like my head is spinning. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answers to half of the questions they ask. So I'm always having to figure it out and look it up and talk back and forth. Why do you think that? That's a good thing. Encourage questions about the things of God, about the Bible, and about the wonders that they have because that helps it to become more personal to them and God not so far off. You know, it's interesting, too, about the whole discussion thing. I mean, obviously, when, when kids are little, little, I mean, maybe some of the things wouldn't be the right discussion to have, but I think it's really important that you talk with kids about everything. I mean, sex. I mean, money. I mean, what other people are doing. I mean, you got to have, if you can't have the conversations about the stuff that really, really matter in life, they're going to have the conversation with somebody, and it's probably not going to be the person that they need to be having the conversation with. Probably be their 12-year-old friend that'll tell them all kinds yeah. of crazy stuff. Yeah, the philosophy of a group of 12-year-olds is not the best. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all of that. So, so simply this. How, how do I give them a living faith? I pray for them. I lead them. And then I, I train them. I teach them. I mean, I get engaged in the process of giving something away, all right? So here, and I think this is kind of where we want to come to today. Because I think as we're talking about this, a lot of us are sitting here going, yeah, sounds great, but give me a break. <laughs> that's so hard. I mean, that's, the, I don't know if that's going to happen. So I just kind of thought through and, and, and listed in my own mind just what are some of the sounds great, but statements you know what what is it that gets us i don't know and, and here here's some of them the first one is there's not enough time there's not enough time now i know because my life has been just like your life is that there's times where my life is crazy crazy busy and then there's other times where it's not and and, and then there's other times where life is crazy crazy busy because i just made it busy I chose to do that. I chose to be part of that. I chose to do that. You know, I mean, that kind of stuff. And, and so what the, I think is the important thing about time and your kids is do what you can with what you actually have right now. I mean, don't wish that you had something that you don't because you don't have that. Do what you have right now. I mean, deal with it. Don't, don't oh, well, if I could do, the, if I had that, I'd be this. No, deal with what you have right now. I mean, I remember there was times Jennifer... Crack me up how she did this. She did this for a few years. She would get up every morning and fix everybody in the family breakfast. I was like, man, that's, that's amazing. Well, she, it was in a time where she could do that, and schedule-wise, and it happened. It was cool. I mean, we did I, probably two, three years we did that together. Until Tyler's basketball started at 5 in the morning, I was not going to eat at 3 in the morning back <laughs> in there at 5. So, so, you know, you did what, what you could with what you had, all right? Second one is, I, sounds great, but I don't feel qualified to teach anyone. Isn't that the job of the church? Primary teaching is in the home. The church will, will come alongside you, and we will back you, and we will be the, the backing to what you're teaching them. It's, 
it's part of the church to reinforce and to support, but real teaching does happen in the home because that's where life is happening. That's where you wake up and you eat together and you put somebody to bed and you spend your day and you argue and you go through everything. It's not just one hour a week. It happens in the home. So if you don't feel qualified, don't wait for perfection. Teach what you know now. Go ahead and start teaching little things that you know about God. Even if you're just so new to the journey or you haven't even started, the little things that you know about God, that you've seen his wonder in your life because of these things. Teach those things to your kids. Next one is, uh, sounds great, but my kids are too old. My kids are already grown. Or, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm getting, I'm into this late in the game. You know, I, I haven't really ever, this is the first time I've even heard about something like this. I, you know, and so they're almost grown. What's the point of trying to teach them spiritual truth now? And, and simply the answer or the thought is, is that God still wants to, wants to use you no matter what age they are in their lives. God still, it doesn't matter if they're 30 or if they're 50. God still wants to use you in their lives. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not done yet. I, I always say this. Don't ever put a period on something that God is only putting a comma. Because maybe God still is wanting to do something through you and in your relationship with your kids, if they're grown or not grown. And here, here's the simple truth about it, is that it might not be too late. It just is going to be different. In other words, the relationship, you, I can't go back, you can't go back to when they were three and four and do it again. You can't go back to when they were 10 and 12 and do it again. Can't go back and do that over, but I can start where I am now and try to build that honest, open, willing relationship with them to be a hero. It says, okay, here's, here's who I am. Now, you're not going to be able to be the authority, authority, if you will, in their lives anymore, but that all, so it's different, all right? The next one is, that sounds great, but I'm a single parent, and I can't do it. You can. You just can't be mom and dad. You either are a mom or you're a dad. And that part you can do and you can do really well. The second piece to that is, is get people around you. Surround yourself with people. People that love God. People that have the same passion and will pour into your kids parts that you can't. Maybe you're a single dad. Find, find women that you can, at the church, that will pour into your kids that mom side. Or vice versa. Maybe you don't have a father for your kids. Find a godly man that will step in and take that role of a, of a father for your children. Last one, and, and we'll, we'll wrap it up with this, is that it sounds great, but I've already blown it. I, I, I've already messed it up so bad, I don't know if I can fix it. I, I've, I've said things, I've done things, and maybe, maybe the marriage has already fallen apart. Maybe as a parent, I've just blown it so big, I, I don't know if it can be fixed. And I just want to, just I feel like this is the encouraging word today. It, God can still do a miracle in your family. No matter if you're dealing with a four-year-old or a two-year-old or a 25-year-old. If you've blown it, God is in the business of restoring relationships. That's what God does. Now, it, is it going to be easy? Nah, not necessarily. And so, so the, here's, here's kind of the answer. Is I need to start new today. I can't go back and change what I did 20 years ago. I can't go back and change what I did last night. But I can start new today. I can say, Lord, help me today to be a hero. Help me today to, to give and teach and give away faith the way I'm supposed to. Make a new commitment. Make a decision to forgive and be forgiven. Let me say that again. Make a decision to forgive and be forgiven. That's hard. 
Because a lot of times what's happening is I can't get past the I've blown it part because unforgiveness is the wall that stands between me. Next one is, is if it's losing it, it's going to take time. It's going to you know, take some resolve to restore it. And so you need to, and I need to, let your kids know that you have blown it. In other words, you step, I'm wrong. I was wrong. Man, I said things, I did things, but right now I am committing my life brand new to Christ. doesn't mean I'm going to be per- perfect from this moment, but it does mean that I'm making a commitment that I want to be the best possible parent in relationship with you that I can be. The best I can. And so I'm making that commitment to be a better parent. And so then, from there, depending on where you're at in this whole scheme, because if it's one-year-olds or 21-year-olds, what you need to do, what I need to do, is we need to establish some healthy parameters and boundaries in how that's going to happen. It might be new discipline. <laughs> it might be new dynamics in a relationship. It might be some of those things. Hey, it, there's some things that are going to go on with that. So all of that. So you set those and you say, Lord, I'm going to stick to it. Now here's, here's what's going to happen. You're going to say, yes, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a better parent. Tomorrow, you might blow it again. Oh, got to hate that. But I think here's the word. It's, Lord, I'm still available even though I've blown it. It says in Scripture, it says when a righteous man falls down, he gets back up. He keeps going. He doesn't quit. He doesn't give up. So, Lord, I'm going to keep being a hero, and I'm going to do what needs to be done. So, Jennifer, would you pray, and then we're going to be done. God, we just, we just sit right now before you, and we say, here we are. As a parent, God, forgive us. Forgive us for the choices that we've made that have been painful to others. Forgive us for the choices that we've made that have hurt our families. And we choose today to put those things behind us. And we choose today to embrace the newness that you bring Mm -hmm. into life, that you bring into families and relationships. God, we don't have it all figured out, but we know that you do. And so today we choose to trust you. We trust you with the decisions that need to be made. We trust you with the discipline that needs to happen. We trust you with the view and the values and the setup that you want to bring to our families. We can't make choices for our own kids. We can't make choices for our parents, but we can make choices for ourselves. So right now we choose to follow you. We choose to do things your way, God. Thank you that, God, you're starting something new in every family that's represented here this morning. Have your way, God. Have your way in our lives individually. As people, God. That you would remind us how much you love us and the plans that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
To praise the King. 